of Daniel. This morning we are finishing the book of Daniel. I believe this is um, sermon number 32, uh, if my math is right. We started January 2nd of this year and have spent the past eight months in this book. And um, I'm excited about finishing. I'm not going to lie. I'm uh, looking forward to, uh, to being done, not for the sake that I've not enjoyed Daniel by any stretch. I have thoroughly enjoyed our time in Daniel. I've enjoyed my, uh, my studies through Daniel. I've enjoyed uh, being under the preaching of these other elders through Daniel. Um, but, uh, but I'm excited about what's next. Uh, a couple things is next. We are beginning a series next week, um, improperly titled. We don't even have a title for it, but, but being a healthy church. And so we're going to spend a number of weeks on what is a healthy church, what is a healthy biblical church, uh, something that's been the desire of North Hill since we planted, believe it or not, 11 years ago next month. And then after that, we'll be starting uh, the book of Colossians. Uh, it's been kind of leaked out there, and so just to officially say we are starting the book of Colossians uh, after this next series about being a healthy biblical church, and so very excited about the things ahead. But before moving on to the things ahead, uh, let us look to Daniel 12 this morning, uh, technically Daniel 1140, that's where we left off last week through the end of Daniel as we wrap up this, uh, this book and our time in this book, and as we will this morning, we will uh, we'll be looking at not just Daniel 11:40 through 12:13, but we'll be looking at Daniel as a whole and how it all kind of wraps up uh, in a similar spirit. So let's read uh, this passage and then we'll uh, check it out. So Daniel 11:40 says this: At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, but the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen. And with many ships, and he shall come into countries, and he shall overflow and pass through. He shall come into the glorious land, and tens of thousands shall fall, but these shall be delivered out of his hand, Edom and Moab and the main part of the Ammonites. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and of silver, and of all the precious things of Egypt and the Libyans. And the Cushites shall follow in his train. But news from the east and the north shall alarm him, and he shall go out with great fury to destroy and devote many to destruction. Thank you. And he shall pitch his palatial tents between the sea and the glorious holy mountain. He shall come to his end with none to help him. And then chapter 12. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and the knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, 
who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times and a half time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for your words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. But the wicked shall act wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand. But those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1335 days. But go your way till the end and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Let us pray. Lord, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for this text that we come to this morning at the end of this book of Daniel. Thank you for our time these past eight months in your precious word. Thank you, Lord, for how, how that you've used it in my life and in the life of this congregation. Thank you now, Lord, that we um, come to this text, and I pray that by your spirit, you would lead us and guide us, and you would press your truth into our hearts and lives. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Daniel 12, as we'll find, is a, is a good is a great end to the book of Daniel. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit does that, right? It's almost like he knew the book of Daniel was going to come to an end. And so we see in this last part of Daniel, we see a lot of parallels even to the whole book of Daniel that I think will serve us well as we conclude uh, this study of this book. There are three major themes in Daniel. There are other themes, but there are three major themes that I would like to point out this morning that we see in Daniel 12. Uh, the first of which is the troubled times of God's people. The troubled times of God's people. We like to just think of the good times of God's people, right? But we see in the book of Daniel the troubled times of God's people. But fortunately, we also see the provision of God for His people. The provision of God for His people. And thirdly, the future events for God's people. The future events for God's people. Maybe why some turn to Daniel often uh, looking for these future events. And uh, as we've seen, uh, we've seen them not necessarily be our future events, but the future events of the original audience of Daniel, as we'll look at this morning. But let's begin with this thought that God's people find themselves in a time of trouble. God's people find themselves in a time of trouble. As we finish chapter 11, as we begin chapter 12, here we are again finding God's people in a time of trouble. But before we come to 1140, that's kind of a quick walkthrough even with Daniel and the many times that God's people found themselves in a time of trouble. You go back to the very beginning in chapter 1 and you see God's people being taken captive. Babylon goes to Jerusalem. They, they take over Jerusalem and they capture God's people and they bring them back to Babylon, not just for a short season, but for 70 years. God's people find themselves in trouble, found themselves captive and brought to Babylon. Sometimes the trouble that, God, that God's people find themselves in are consequences of their sin. Sometimes that trouble is a consequence of their sin. And we see this in the beginning of Daniel. We spent time talking about that, about how God had, 
uh, had prophesied through his prophets, and he had told the people uh, of Israel that this would come, and it was a consequence of their sin and their rebellion against God. And so for 70 years, for a whole generation, they found themselves in captivity under pagan rule. Also, we see in chapter 3 and 6 that sometimes trouble is from suffering for standing for the Lord. So it's not often, it's not always for, for disobedience and rebellion, but sometimes suffering comes in a believer's life uh, for standing for the Lord. And we see this in chapter 3 with the persecution of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see it again whenever Daniel is cast into the lion's den. These men were standing for the Lord. They were standing for their faith. They were honoring their God, and yet they found persecution. So sometimes trouble comes from standing for the Lord. But sometimes that trouble is just from living in a fallen world. When you come to the the, the main section of the second half of Daniel... From Daniel chapters uh, 7 through 11, we see much of the, the, the fight of the world and much of the issues that God's people find themselves in. They were just uh, casualties of the conflict, if you will. They found themselves in the midst of a broken world, and we know much about being in a broken world. So sometimes trouble is a consequence of sin. Sometimes it is uh, from suffering, for standing from God's people. And sometimes the trouble that we find ourselves in is just from living in a fallen and broken world. Being amongst the kingdom of men, living in this world but not being of it. That the kingdom of God having not fully come yet. And then fourthly, as we think about how God's people find themselves in trouble, sometimes that trouble is persecution directly intended for God's people. And we see this in the book of Daniel. We see this specifically here uh, in chapter 11, uh, specifically the past, last week as we dealt with Antiochus IV, Antiochus the Mad. And uh, this, this individual, as it says there in 11 in verse 21, this contemptible person, uh, as we see later in, uh, I think it's verse 28 and verse 30, we see this individual, this contentable, contentable person who, who at first his heart is set against the Holy Covenant and then his actions are set against the Holy Covenant. And so as we kind of come to verse 40 here, we see, we see kind of this, uh, this retelling of these events of Antiochus and how he is still... He is still full court pressing against the people of God. He is bringing trouble and tribulation. He is bringing, bringing danger and death to many. There in verse 41 where it says, He shall come into the glorious land. And we've already established this is Jerusalem. That He has come into Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. And tens of thousands shall fall. But these shall be delivered out of His hand. And so Antiochus continues to march and continues to attack God's people And so God's people find themselves in this time of trouble that at times is persecution for God's and against God's people. We see this with the king of the north and see this king of the south and specifically with Antiochus. And so God's people find themselves all through Daniel these times of trouble. But for a number of reasons, this happens. For a number of reasons, God finds them, people, God's people find themselves in times of suffering, in times of pain, in times of tribulation. But this is not unique to Daniel. This didn't just start with captivity in Daniel chapter 1. We see this throughout the Old Testament. We see it throughout the New Testament. We see it throughout the history of humanity when God's people suffer for His great name whether it's from a consequence of their sin 
whether it's from uh, suffering for standing for the Lord, whether it is uh, being in the midst of a fallen world, or whether it is for direct persecution. We see throughout history, God's people suffer. It's true in Daniel, it's true in the Old Testament, and it's true in the New Testament. Turn me to the book of Matthew, chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, we'll start in verse 16 there. And we'll, we'll hear some echoes of Daniel and Jesus' words. He says, Matthew 10, 16, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. And can you imagine the words of Jesus and how difficult that is? And they're beginning to experience this persecution as a church. But as he's speaking to this group, it's going to become more and more real. It says, don't be anxious for what you're going to say when you're brought before the courts. For... What you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And so persecution, suffering for God's people, finding ourselves in times of trouble is nothing new for God's children. It's nothing new for believers. God's people found themselves in these times of trouble throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, throughout history, today and until Christ returns. Until His kingdom fully comes, we will continue to find times of trouble for the believer. Yet, there are many who want to say that if you're following Christ, you will not find yourself in these times of trouble. You will not find a difficult life that God wants you to have. An easy path, an easy life, an easy journey. But this is not the path that we see in Daniel. It's not the path we see in the Old Testament, the New Testament. It's not the path we see in the history of the church. And it's likely not your experience as a believer today. That your life has not been one of ease since you've been following Christ. So what does trouble look like today for the believers? For many believers around the world, even today, in 2022, they find themselves risking their health and their very lives for the gospel. We don't talk about this enough. We likely don't pray enough for the persecuted church, but there are men and women and children who are following the Lord, who are persecuted on a daily basis, an untold number each year lay their lives down for the gospel and it would have it no other way very likely for us in the west in our part of the world very likely we will not come into that kind of persecution that kind of suffering in our lifetime now, i may be wrong but i don't particularly fear physical threats in our country as believers now, I'm not an alarmist. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I do enjoy a good conspiracy theory every now and then. I do not think that there are many mattresses that are sold in our country, but that's a different story, and we can talk about that over lunch. 
But I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not an alarmist. But I do believe that we will likely experience more and more trouble even in our lifetime for following Christ. That persecution, that suffering, those forms of trouble will come in different forms. They'll come through financial uh, difficulty. They'll come from social attack. They will show up in the arena of education and the arenas of our workplaces that it will become increasingly difficult to honor the Lord in these different walks of our life. And we can look to Daniel. We can look to the story of, of Daniel and his three buddies from Daniel chapter 1. We can look at the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we can look at how God has kept them and God will, will keep us and we'll look at this and be encouraged. But we will find ourselves in times of trouble even today. The times of trouble for God's people will not end until the kingdom of God has fully come. And because of this, number two is this. Not only will God's people find themselves in a time of trouble, but secondly, God's people have always needed a Savior. God's people have always needed a Savior. This is not a New Testament reality. This is not even a reality of just in Daniel when things got really bad. But this is a reality for ever since Genesis chapter 3, ever since sin entered into the world, God's people have always needed a Savior. From the onset of our time in Daniel, we have cautioned ourselves reading this book against seeing these men, against seeing men like Daniel, against seeing his, uh, his, his three buddies as heroes, for they are not the hero of the book of Daniel. Indeed, it is God who is the hero. It is God who is the one who saves. It is God that it is who that we need to look to. We do not need or dare to be a Daniel. We do not need to figure out how we can have the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because it was God who showed favor to Daniel, to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and making them healthier in chapter 1 and fitter than all their other boys. It was God who saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fiery furnace. It was God who placed a fourth person there. It was God who shut the mouths of the lions in the den whenever Daniel was thrown in there. It was God who calmed his nerves. It was God who preserved the nation of Israel amid centuries of world war in the ancient Near East. It was God who sustained His people through intense persecution under Antiochus IV. And it was God who stationed Michael the archangel to watch over Israel, as we see in verse 1 of chapter 12. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who was charged over your people. It was God who did all of these things. It was God who in every moment in the book of Daniel and throughout every encounter in Scripture has rescued His people. So as we read through the Bible, we oftentimes like to look for for heroes in the Bible. And there are so many men and women and even children that God has used in heroic ways and has done incredible things through them. But the hero of the Bible is God Himself. Namely, Jesus Christ. Christ. And so as we read through Scripture, we don't need to look for ourselves, nor do we need to look for these heroes. We need to look for the Lord and His saving saving arm. God's people have always needed a Savior. 
And it is still God who rescues today. And He has done so through the victorious work of Jesus Christ. He has done so through the victorious work of Jesus Christ. True Israel, even as we walk through Daniel and seeing the difference between those who, of Israel who looked to the Lord and those who abandoned the Lord, those who, who gave in to Antiochus and those who didn't, those who stood and those who fell, True Israel, those who have always looked to the Lord in faith and trust and hope. True Israel have always looked to the coming Messiah for their hope and for their victory. I love Zechariah 9.9. It says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So we see this picture of looking to the Messiah, looking specifically to Jesus. So the people of God, even though they didn't know the name Jesus Christ, they have always been looking to the Messiah, the one the Lord would send to save. And go with me to 1 John, briefly. Way into the depths of the New Testament. Go to the very end of Revelation and Turn back a few books to the left. But just a couple of verses in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God, everyone who has been born of God, and you can tie that back to, to Daniel, those who are written in the book, the book of life, those who are God's, God's, God's beloved, precious chosen people for everyone who has been born of god overcomes the world they are victorious and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith and if you aren't with us as we walk through hebrews and we spend a lot of time on faith and look in hebrews 11 a good when you come to faith a good way to to say that is the power of god by the power of god is how we've overcome the world our faith is not some intrinsic ability and if we believe enough, then something happens. But by the power of God, we've overcome the world. We've had victory. And in verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so God's people have always needed a Savior. And that Savior has always been Christ. Those in Daniel looked to Him as the Messiah who was to come. And we look as Jesus as He who has come and who is returning. We look forward every December here at North Hills to Advent as we celebrate the first coming of Jesus and His second coming, His return. And we thought we were going to see more of His second coming in Daniel and it didn't work out. Because we see that the people in Daniel, these things were in their future, but not our future. These events happened in their future and our past, but they needed a Savior. And their Savior was the Lord. It is Christ who makes us victorious. It is the Messiah. It is Christ who made them victorious. Every victory that's ever been had by any of God's people has always been through Christ. It is Christ who makes us victorious. In Him, we have victory over the world. We have victory over sin and over the coming wrath of God against sinners. In Christ alone. So we see that God's people find themselves in a time of trouble. God's people have always needed a Savior. 
And thirdly, we see that God's people trust God with the future. God's people trust God with the future. We see this in chapter 12. Michael there, he is the great prince. He's in charge of the people. And, and there's this time of trouble such as never such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. So serious trouble, serious persecution, serious time of suffering. And yet, who is their Savior? Who do they look to? Their ability to organize as a nation, their ability to train warriors, their ability to be strategic? No, but at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. So we see that, that again, this picture of, of difficult times, of times of suffering, times of trouble, but yet God is the hero. And then you there in verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. How long shall it be? And so he's asking these questions. How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand. He raised his left hand towards heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times and a half time. We see this language in other places in Daniel. And when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all of these things shall be finished. So he's already asked once, hey, when's this going to happen? And then Daniel gets very transparent. He gets very honest. He writes it down. I heard, but I did not understand. What kind of prophet is going to admit that, right? What kind of preacher is going to admit to you? He just doesn't get it. This is Daniel. He says, I heard, but I did not understand. So he asks again, right? We all know people who love to ask questions. They just follow up with more questions. Here's Daniel. Oh, Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And this is what God says. He says, go away, Daniel. It's not exactly the interpretation of that, but it makes me feel good. He says, I've got this, Daniel, okay? I am the sovereign God of the universe. Go your way. Some would even say that the, interpret, the proper interpretation of that language means to, to move on your thoughts towards something else. He says, go your way. And this isn't the last time he says it. Go your way, Daniel. For the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. That's this picture of going through persecution and difficulty and suffering. But the wicked shall act wickedly. And just a quick side note. Maybe we need to highlight that verse in our Bible. I think sometimes we forget this and we are surprised by it. Not just the wicked of Daniel chapter 12. Not just Antiochus. Not just all of the evil people we've known in history. But the wicked shall act wickedly. This will continue until sin is destroyed by Christ. So persecution is still going to come. God's people are still going to be refined. The wicked shall still act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. But those who are wise shall understand. Those who are in the Lord shall understand. And from that time, and from the time that the that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up. There shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at 1,335 days. And he tells Daniel again, but go your way till the end and you shall rest and you shall stand in your lot of place at the end of days. It is clear at the end of Daniel chapter 12, it is clear throughout Daniel that God's people have to trust God 
with the future. God's people trust the Lord with the future. We see this all through the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel was given to Israel so that they could have a glimpse of the things that were to come, but be ultimately reminded that they they needed to press into the Lord. Remember, Daniel chapter 1 was very dismal for the people of God. We, we We were reminded of this last week. Daniel chapter 1, they've been captive and captured and taken from Jerusalem, brought into captivity with no end in sight for 70 years. 70 years is a long time, right? Now the events of Daniel span over 500 years, but even 70 years is a long time. But it gets far worse, especially as you get to Daniel chapter 11. And you see all this wicked, these wicked deeds of Antiochus IV and how he's going to turn his heart and his actions against Israel. And then in chapter 12, it gets even worse. It gets worser. It gets horrible. Because you can't even imagine how difficult it gets for the people of God. So God gives the people of God this glimpse, this original audience. And they don't know exactly when these things are going to come about. They have some signs. They have some things to look for. But they're not given charts and tables and, 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 and timelines. But ultimately, as the events of their future unfold, they have to continue to look to the Lord in trust and faith towards their future. They knew the only way to endure was to look to the Lord. That was their only hope. And it's always been Israel's only hope is to look to and trust the Lord. And even Daniel didn't understand all these details of his final, of this final vision that's been that started in chapter 10, continued in chapter 11, and ends in chapter 12. But as a prophet, Daniel called God's people, as he was a leader in Israel, specifically in this time of exile. And it's believed that Daniel never left Babylon, never returned home. But as a prophet, God, God used Daniel to call his people to look to him in faith and trust. And an interesting side note, one we really haven't covered as we walk through Daniel, that Daniel was a leader of the Babylonian wise men. He was the chief of wise men. As we, you know, it's Christmas time, right? Hallmark tells us it's Christmas time. Christmas movies are coming. The Walmart shelves are about to be full of Christmas stuff. As we think about Christmas and the coming of Jesus we think about the wise men on the, the story of the nativity. It was ultimately, likely, Daniel, who was the one who initially began teaching this wise man university, if you will, to look at the stars, to look at the heavens, to interpret it, and to look to the coming of the Messiah, trusting that God would send the promised Redeemer. And like every single one of God's children throughout history, Daniel looked to and trusted the Lord. At the end of his days, it says here, at the end of his days, he rested. And one day he shall stand in his allotted place. That's just a beautiful end to this book. This book named after this prophet Daniel. But go your way to the end and you shall rest. And you shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. God has had complete control in Daniel's life. And Daniel has experienced so much in his life. He's experienced so much in the nation of Israel and the surrounding nations, the Babylonians, the Medos and Persians, the Greeks, and even a little bit of the Romans here towards the end. 
But we too have this same promise. That we'll live our lives. That God is in control. He's in complete control of our life. Of our future. He's in control of every aspect. He is sovereign. The ultimate theme of Daniel. The ultimate theme of the Bible is God's sovereignty. But we have this same promise. This promise that we can go and go our way. Way with the Lord. And that we can rest. And we'll, and we'll stand in our lot of place at the end of the days. Go with me to Ephesians. You knew it was coming somewhere. Ephesians chapter 2. I was reminded of this beautiful truth this week in a Thursday morning Bible study that some of us are a part of. But in Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 4. I was also reminded that I have no tattoos, but if I ever got a tattoo, there's one of three things it'd be. And one of them is in Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 2, verse 4, but God. There is so much theological truth. There is so much hope in those two words. Maybe the the heart of the gospel right there. In the first few verses of chapter 2, the the dismal, sinful, dead nature of man. But then verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, and we just need to be reminded of that so often, do we not? Why does, why does the gospel, why is it even true? Why do we have the gospel? Why, do we, why did Christ come to redeem mankind? Why did He take sinners who deserve nothing but death and hell in the grave? Why did He take us and give us life? Because He is rich in mercy and because He has chosen to love His people. So God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. And you see a, even a glimpse of that in Daniel chapter 12 of, the, of those being uh, resurrected at the end. He makes us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So as we go our way and we rest, what does Christ do ultimately at the end of our days? For eternity, He seats us with Christ. Not because of our standing, not because of our good, not because of our nature, not because of how we've lived this life, not because of how long we've gone to church, not because of what positions we held in church, not because of anything, not because of how many times we read the Bible or how many verses we remembered or how many verses are on our, uh, the walls in our living room, but because of Christ, because He's loved us. And we are seated with Him in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages, in the end of time, and for all time, He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And if you want something to just fire you up this afternoon, if you want to just come back to Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 7 here, and read that again slowly, and read it like 10 times and meditate on it for what God has done for us and what He's going to do for us, to show us His immeasurable riches, an infinite God, is going to pour out His infinite riches upon us, upon sinners. 
And He did so, it says, while we were still dead in our trespasses. If we look to Him and we trust Him and we believe in the person of Christ, and we can only do that if He awakens us. So He does everything. But we still get to experience that. We get to experience going from death to life. God holds the future. Sometimes we want to go to books like Daniel and books like Revelation to know the future, right? Know what's going to happen. My grandpa told me this, or so-and-so said this, or I saw this on the internet. And there's, all, and there's, there's ways you can know, right? There are ways you can know what days, or what year things are going to happen, or who's going to be in the office and this is going to happen. We, there's a way we can know all these things. But we miss, we miss it. The real future that we should concern ourselves with is the future of eternity. And are we going to be basking in the immeasurable riches of Christ? Because we have looked to Him and trusted Him in this life. God's people trust God with the future. And even with our earthly future. That regardless of what comes, we look to Christ and trust Him. We trust in the Lord. This is the future that God has for His people. All of His people. For those who have looked to Christ as their only hope and salvation. Maybe for some, our study in Daniel didn't answer end-time questions that we had hoped. Maybe like me, you have grown in your understanding of this remarkable book of the Bible. But for all of us, I hope that we take away from Daniel at least three things. Number one is that Christians have and will continue to endure troubling times. The Christians have and will continue to endure troubling times. Number two, that God has always been and will always be our provider and our protector. That He alone is our provider and our protector. And lastly, that the Lord holds, He shapes, and He brings about the future for all of humanity. For those that will receive His judgment, and for those that will receive His immeasurable riches. Let's pray.